I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. I've got a word from the Lord for you today. And how many people know when God speaks, it's worth coming? How many people are excited to be in here today? Yeah, that's good. Welcome to all our live stream viewers. We know that there are people that couldn't be here today. Those from overseas that are watching uh, on YouTube and live stream. We pray that the presence of God would come into your rooms, wherever you are listening, hopefully not while you're driving, wherever you are, that God's power would touch you in a profound way. This is a message for you today. So I want to talk to you today about a subject that is both empowering to many people and also a, a place of confusion and sometimes all sorts of reactions come when I preach on this. And this is one of my favorite subjects and I believe it with all my heart. So listen to the end before you make up your mind. Don't turn off. Be open to what God would say to you. I want to talk to you today about this very concept that you are anointed to prosper. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? It is really important because if you begin to hear what's on the heart of God for the nations, you need to prosper. I have real misgivings about people that don't want to prosper. I say to those people, you are the most selfish Christians in all the world and you need to get before the Lord and ask him to change your heart and your mind and truly begin to get a kingdom concept of what, it, what God wants to do in the last days. It's bigger than your survival. It's bigger than just the rapture. He has, he has a thought process that the church would be the answer to the world. He says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for all his enemies to be made his footstool. He has a plan that before we go to be with him, go to be with him, that all of this earth would be filled with the glory of the Lord, that the Garden of Eden would be re-established in every sector of society, that nobody would be able to say, I haven't seen the Lord's hand at work. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. We've tasted of the powers of the age to come. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to go for it, and I trust that this word would penetrate your heart. And as I prayed about this message, I felt that God wanted to speak to both the young and the old and rearrange the way you see your life, your finances, adjust mindsets. Some of you have come today, some are listening, and you don't have a mindset that is beyond survival, beyond today, maybe a few bucks for tomorrow, but you don't see yourself as being a resource to the nations. Well, I'm about to change that. Now, Naaman, 2 Kings 5.1, was the captain of the army of the king of Aram. And he was a great man, say great man, man. with his master and highly respected, say highly respected, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. And the man was a valiant warrior, say valiant warrior. warrior. Sounds like he's got a lot of things going for him. Strong, valiant, victorious, mighty man of God powerful. But the Bible always throws this little three-letter word in as like a little hiccup. And it says, but. Say, but. There's lots of buts in the Bible. 
but he was a leper. On the cross, Jesus died for our... Exactly. He did. And most of the church knows that. But Isaiah 53 says that he died for our sins and he died for our... Sickness. Our sickness. Say with me, sickness. sickness. And most of the church have got sins. Some have got sickness. But that same verse tells us, he, it says that... The chastisement for our peace was upon him. That word peace literally means prosperity. He died for our sins, our sicknesses, and our prosperity. The Californian gold rush began by a group of miners finding placer gold in the riverbed, in the, amongst the, the, the black sand they called. And they traced that sand all the way up to what they call the mother load. And that, that, that was the source of the gold. And from that mother load would be uh, veins of gold that would spread to the left and to the right. The kingdom of God is like that. Without doubt, our salvation is the mother load. That Jesus died, was buried and resurrected for our sins. So he would... At, Upon our confession of faith, he would come and live in our lives, make us new creations, and that we would be children of the Most High God. That is the central pillar to everything that is about us as believers. But do you know there are rich veins that go to the left and the right when we get born again? And here's the issue. Whatever you have faith for, that's where the anointing of God flows. The anointing is God's spirit on man's flesh, doing what man's flesh cannot do. He's a man, powerful, victorious, a warrior, but he's a leper. See, he's a picture of the church. The church gets a revelation in one area and gains strength in that area but fails to understand that there's many veins, many realms that if we have faith for, and faith comes when the Holy Spirit quickens our heart and we get revelation in an area through meditation, through encounter, as we push into that realm, what happens? Faith rises up and wherever faith is, the anointing flows. Didn't Jesus say to the woman, let it be according to your faith. She reached out and touched the hem of his garment and anointing flowed because she had faith that Jesus was the healer. Now, if you have no faith today that Jesus wants to prosper you, guess what? No anointing will flow in your finances. You'll go to heaven if you're born again. You can be healed if you believe in healing, but you'll be flat broke. Naaman was a great man, but he was a leper. And here's the issue that many of you and many people listening on live stream today, you can 
be great in areas of the kingdom and be totally leprous in other areas. I listen to people preach and they've gained a revelation on healing. And the longer you listen to them, the more you realize that they totally disbelieve that God wants to bless them financially. Mighty men and women of faith. Why? Because they have no faith in that realm and the anointing doesn't flow. They've allowed disappointments, failings, wrong doctrine to close that realm and they no longer experience the anointing of God flow. I want to say to you today that the anointing of the Holy Spirit wants to run in every area of your life. I want to be healed. I want to be saved. I want to be prosperous. I want every realm of the kingdom to flow in my life. Is anyone else like that? Well done. So let's keep reading verse 8. And it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. So what happens? They come down to the king and the king, uh, Naaman comes down because he wants to be healed. He heard he can be healed in Israel. The king freaks out because he thinks that Naaman wants him to heal him. He says, you know, why would you do this to me? So he tears his clothes. So Elisha heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me and he will know there's a prophet in Israel. Send your problem to me. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash. Say with me, go and wash. Very important, should underline that. Go and wash in the Jordan River seven times, seven times. And your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. Did you hear that? Wash in the Jordan seven times and you're going to be clean. The leprosy will be healed. But Naaman was furious and he went away and said, Behold, I thought, say with me, I thought. Lots of thoughts in the kingdom, but some of them aren't quite right. I thought there's a lot of unrenewed thinking when it comes to finances. I thought, look what he thought. I thought he would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leprosy. Do you want a washer or a wave? That's the question. Most of the body of Christ think that there's going to be An abracadabra moment where there is a a waving of the hand over your life and you're going to go from a pauper to prosperous in a split second. I've seen meetings where they call people out and put your money on 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 the stage and you pray a prayer and you're going to go out and you'll be free from debt and be prosperous for the rest of your life. And Thousands of people are clapping their hands and... And I look at the crowd and I think, most of them, I'm not saying all, because God's God, but most of them will be broke tomorrow and broke in a year's time. Because they're looking for the waving of the hand rather than the washing in the Jordan River. So Naaman's commanded to dip seven times in this Jordan. And I'm going to show you seven things in the Jordan that begin to change the way you operate so the anointing of God can flow in your life. It's not as simple as just a waving of the hand. 
That's called the miracle mindset. That's just like, get me out of this mess. Like, I'm going to go home and there's going to appear a million dollars in my letterbox. No, no, no. For most of you, no. Sorry. Now, I know it's happened occasionally, but it's the exception, not the rule. God in his mercy sends a million dollars to people in their letterbox. But it's not the rule. For most of us, we're going to have to learn the, the concepts of the kingdom so they can be reproduced over and over and over again. So it's not just stuff coming to me, but then things flowing through me. Yeah. Amen. So seven things. Are you ready? Yeah. Number one, seven things about the Jordan. Jordan was a geographical barrier. It was a border that transitioned you from one state to another. There are lots of barriers when it comes to money in the kingdom. Just as a side note, I recommend to every single Christian, there's a book I've read called, you may not be able to see this on camera, but God's Will is Prosperity by Gloria Copeland. I've read that book so many times, I don't know how many. But you need to get a new mindset when it comes to money. There are theological barriers, like the Jordan River was a barrier between survival and prosperity. And many Christians have come up to barriers in their life through wrong teaching, false doctrine, and it's got you bound so you can't press forward. You are believing a lie. I don't believe in all that prosperity stuff. Well, you know what? Sorry, but God does. You need to read your Bible again and take off your religious glasses and understand what the kingdom of God is all about. When God delivered people, like when he delivered the Egyptians out of bondage, and that was a picture of salvation, he not just delivered them out of bondage, he delivered them out of debt. And in one day, they received 400 years of wages like that. It's a picture. It's a pattern of the kingdom. Galatians 3 13 says that Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. He was made a curse on the tree so the blessings of Abraham might be ours. And if you don't know what the blessings of Abraham are, read his story. Man, that was the Old Testament. Yes, and we serve under a new covenant, a better covenant. The Old Testament is a picture of what God wants to do in our natural world. The New Testament is a picture of what he wants to do in our inner world. It's not one or the other. God combines the old and the new. If you truly live the new covenant on the inside, the old covenant will be a natural reality. Deuteronomy 28.12 says, You will lend to many nations and not borrow. You shall lend. Did you hear that? It's a commandment. You shall. Like you shall love the Lord your God. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And he goes on to say in Deuteronomy 28, you shall lend to many nations and not borrow. There are barriers that we come up against. Barriers like it's normal to be in debt. It's normal not to have any more money than just what I need for today. There are barriers that are established in people's mindsets that destroy their ability to press forward. They have financial leprosy called debt and lack. A mighty man of God. See, you can love God with all your heart. You can be godly. You can be such a so used of God. I know people moving the gifts powerful people and they're flat broke 
And that's not because God doesn't want to bless them. It's because they have no faith or little faith in that realm. Naaman was a mighty man, but he was a leper. And God's not going to fix it with a waving of a wand. He's going to begin to wash you. And the first washing is this one of theological barriers where God wants to get you and he wants to encourage you today to begin to wash all away those theological lies that say it's not God's will for me to prosper. It's okay for me to be in debt. The Bible says in Romans, owe no man nothing except to love. Did you hear that? It says the rich, Proverbs 22.7, rule over the poor and the borrowers are servants to the lenders. God never created you to be a slave. He wants you out of that. It says in um, Exodus, as I said before, Exodus 31, sorry, Exodus 3.21, that God pulled a whole nation out of debt in a day. I want to come against all the theological lies. The Bible says it's God's good pleasure that we be prosperous. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. What have we turned our father into that we would think in our minds that God does not want to bless us? What have we done to God? See, if, if nobody pre-programmed you to think that way, if you picked up the Bible, you had no church background at all, you would be hard-pressed to come to that conclusion. It's only religious training that conditions us to believe that God's not a good God. So we need to wash in the river and allow God to wash away all the false negative doctrine that we have picked up along the way. So say with me today, God, wash me. Now say it with passion. God, wash me. Amen. Wash me, God, from all the negative theological training that I have sat under for years. See, even today, I still have to be conscious of that. Things that I was taught when I was younger, I still have to say, God, wash me. Don't let that bear any fruit in my life. I renounce that way of thinking. You are a good God. Number two, you ready? The river required a new way of thinking. 2 Kings 6, it says, there are prophets at the river and they were chopping down trees because they, they felt they were at a realm where God wanted to enlarge their homes and make room for what God wanted them to do. See, it's always God's intention to enlarge us. So as they're chopping at the river, chopping down trees, many of you know the story, the axe head comes off the handle, goes into the river and sits on the bottom. They, the prophet prays. And as he prays, the axe head floats up to the surface so you can reattach the axe head to the handle. Jordan is a picture of death, burial and resurrection. A lot of us, when we get born again, we die to the old way, but we don't get resurrected to the new way of thinking. The prophet reattached the axe head to the handle. The prophet reattached the axe head to the handle. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. When Jesus came to earth, his thinking was so brilliant and so big. He'd come from heaven where there was a pie-making factory. 
where we didn't have to cut things and say, right, if I give you, I'll have less. No, in heaven, there's a pie-making factory. There's more pies. Give, and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaking together, running out all over. See, the church has had a pie complex. If I give, I'll have less. If you tithe and give away 10, then you only have 90%. No, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is a pie-making factory. There is more than enough. The loaves and the fishes teach us that something in God's hands will always multiply. That's the kingdom. And so when Jesus comes, his way of thinking is so profound. He says, I've got nowhere to rest my head. No institution, no person even begins to understand the ways of the kingdom. The devil took off John the Baptist's head. The greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And Jesus came along and he took his head and he created a body called the church and he put the head back on the body. The Bible says that the least in the Old Testament, sorry, the least in the New Testament covenant is greater than John the Baptist. In other words, you think of all the great thinkers and the people that moved in the realm of the Spirit in the Old Testament, the least in the kingdom with the mind of Christ upon them is greater than all the Old Testament prophets. God's come to reattach the head back to the handle. To increase the way we think. Let's go a bit deeper. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Proverbs 10, 15 says, Your biggest issue with money is the way you think. I'm convinced of that. I meet people that I think that are brighter than me. And one minute of conversation makes me realize they've got very little capacity at their present moment to increase in the kingdom of God. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. It's the way they think. It's the way they think. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, but your limitation is not the anointing in you. It's the capacity that you've created as you wait upon the Lord. That's why the prophet comes to the widow and says, the widow's in debt. Listen, listen. Her husband has died. He's a godly man. He's a prophet. And he's died and he's left her in debt. It's a picture of the church. Godly people, debt, chaos in their lives. And it's for one reason. There's oil in her house. The anointing of God is in them. It's upon you today. God's Spirit, if you are born again, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The ability to multiply, to fill the earth, to change nations is in you. You've got to believe that. God lives in you. The issue wasn't there wasn't oil in the house. Here's the issue. There was only one jar. That's the problem. Because you and I know as we read the story, the oil had within itself the ability to multiply and multiply forever. There was only one caveat. There must be another jar to fill. And the moment your capacity stops growing, you stop enlarging that your mind in the ways of the kingdom, 
The moment you stop stretching, that's the very day the anointing of God stops at that level. And you all wonder why God's not moving through anymore. You say, God, what are you doing? He's saying, I'm waiting for you to enlarge. Go, he says. Go borrow vessels and not a few. Get out of your house. Leave behind your traditions, your stingy mindsets, the the penny-pinching of yesterday. Get rid of your religious nonsense. God sees through it and begin to develop a heart that says, God, teach me always. Teach me about the kingdom. Teach me about giving. Teach me about prosperity. I wait on you. I've gone down these areas and discovered the veins of healing and all these other areas. And it takes wrestling and, and, and working and, and engaging with the Holy Spirit. God, change the way I think. I've had to wrestle with God to get rid of negative uh, poverty-stricken ideals and concepts. It's taken hours and days and years of crying out to God, enlarge me! But I meet other people, they're so small. And, and, and you know how you know? Listen to their language. One minute with some people, when it comes to pay the bill, and you hear that they've got, they've got a, a heart, a capacity for finance that's as big as a thimble. They're religious, they make all the noises, they may even pay their tithes, but they're poverty-stricken inside. He says, get out of the house. Go, gather vessels, and not a few. And the Bible says all the vessels were filled, and when there were no more vessels, the oil stopped. She paid off her debt and lived on the overflow. You need to understand there's an overflow that will get rid of all your debts, They have more than enough so she was able to be a blessing to her sons. There was an overflow for all those around her. She probably rescued the whole town. She became the mayor of the town. She began investment. She started a bank. She started a preschool for kids. The oil, there was so much oil. For one reason, she gathered many jars. Do you want someone to wave over your head? Be blessed. And I'm not demeaning that. I believe in impartation. But if, that, if you think that's your ticket out of here, you're, you're going to be grossly disappointed. You've got to wash in the Jordan. You've got to get rid of wrong theological beliefs for a start and believe that God wants to bless you. Then you've got to come before him and say, God, increase my capacity. Enlarge me. Cause me to think, how are you going to take the anointing in me and cause it to multiply? That's a good question. How? If you sit on your blessed assurance, sitting waiting for money to come, you'll be waiting to doomsday. What are you going to do in me? What problem will you use me to solve? What area do you want me to invest in? How do you want me to get out of this mess? How will you free me from debt? What do you want me to do and not do? What are you saying, God? That's called jars. Begin to fill the jars. Collect jars. Read. Educate yourself. Shock horror. Get along someone who's anointed to prosper. That's called collecting jars. (sighs) I'm trying. The river number three. So we wash 
in the concept that when I come to the river, God wants to give me his thoughts that are so bigger than my thoughts. He wants to increase my capacity. So I dip in that river, Lord, and I come up again out of the water. Thank you, Lord. The third dip was the river was a place of prophetic impartation and flow. Now, all these come together. Second Chronicles 20.20 20 says, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in the prophets and you shall prosper. In the Old Testament, it seems that every financial miracle out of, out of debt, every multiplication was accompanied by the word of the Lord coming through a prophet. I won't spend a lot of time about on this, but it's essential to say this. You need to get alongside prophetic ministry and people that can begin to speak the word of the Lord over you and unlock realms of increase. I remember get, uh, picking up a prophetic ministry, a, a, a man that came to our church, and I went to the airport, he got in my car, and one of the first questions he asked me was about my finances and about where God was going to use me. And it was like the glory of God broke open in, our, in my car. Impartation from prophetic ministries. This river was a meeting place for the prophets, it seems, to come and minister to those around them. I want to say to you, this place, this church, when we get visiting ministry, we have Lindley Allen coming. And do you know what boggles my mind in many places? Is that when guest ministry comes in, half the church seems to stay at home and visitors come from all around and take their chairs and get their prophecies. And I've got to say, as a pastor, I get really ticked off when other people, you know, hear my heart, other people can, are receiving the breakthrough that should be yours. Because sometimes we're sitting at home playing on TV. We don't understand that there are times and seasons where God brings men and women. There's an environment of faith where God speaks to our heart and enlarges us. The river was a place of prophetic impartation. So I want to encourage you to dip in the river of respecting the anointing of God on men and women that God has placed around you to speak words into your life. So I would find a way to position myself amongst men and women of great faith and anointing so they can speak into my world. Just saying. It's remarkable every church I've ever been in, the ones in the church that prosper the most are those that position themselves for God to speak. All right. Number four, we're nearly we're there. Nearly there. The river is a place to fully focus our attention on the instructions of God. Did you hear that? The river is a place to fully focus our attention on the promises and the instructions that God has given us. Naaman almost blew it. He'd been given an instruction and a promise and he almost blew it because it was too simple. Coming up to the river, Jordan Elisha was constantly challenged by Elijah 
to stop. Elijah said to Elisha at Gilgal, just, just stop, wait here. Elisha was after the double portion. He'd got a promise in his heart. And Elijah tests him, just, just stop here. And he says, no, 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 I will not leave you. I will not leave you. My, my attention is on the promise and you're my key to the double portion. Elijah was a picture of the promise. And, and Elijah's saying, how much do you want the promise? Can I tempt you into stopping halfway? So he puts some obstacles there. He tests him. Stay here at Gilgal. He says, no way. I am with you. I am not going anywhere. I am focused on the promise. You said, God, forever your word is settled in heaven. You promised me that you would bless me with a hundredfold return. And I'm not letting you go. I'm going to go kicking and screaming. But I'm not letting go of that promise. It's in my heart. That's how it works. This river is a place to focus your attention. Paul says, I don't run as one, as one that runs without aim. I don't box in the air. I run the race to win it. I got a promise. And it hasn't worked out this week. Oh, please. The Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is patience and self-control. I've told you before, the devil doesn't have any patience. It's not in his nature. He's impatient. That's why he tries to make you to be impatient. And you've got the spirit, the fruit of the spirit of patience. You can say to him, you can throw what you like, but I will outlast you any day. Because I've got the spirit of patience in me and I will last the distance. Jesus set his face like flint. I'll outlast you. The promises are mine. Why does it take so long? Because God's increasing your capacity. So when you get to the end and the river Jordan's and Elijah's there and the anointing comes, he can pick up that mantle and he's ready to go. God's doing the work in your life. Luke 17, 5, the apostle said to Jesus, increase our faith. He says, you have faith the size of a mustard seed. You will say to this mulberry tree, did you hear that? Mulberry tree, the word mulberry means delay. It's the last tree to flower and fruit in the season. And Jesus says, if you've got faith, the whole issue with faith is dealing with delays in our life and not being distracted, maintaining focus in your life. And Jesus said, you can speak to the delays in your life and say, be uprooted and cast into the sea. Faith speaks to the delays and says, I will not be moved by you. You will be moved by me. Yeah. I'll say it again. Faith speaks to the delays in your life and says, I will not be moved by you. You will be moved by me. Yeah. And at this river, it's a place to fully focus your attention. That's why a wave will never cut it. Woohoo! Go home. Last one day, a bill comes in and you give up. But you dip in the Jordan River and you allow God to change your mind. You dip in the Jordan River where steely determination comes. As you wait upon the Lord, He infuses you with might and power and long distance. And so when you come up again out of that river, now I've got the spirit of patience. This is a process that takes place of God enlarging you to prosper. Because God's going to send you to places where you will need that capacity to operate in. 
And that's why he goes on to say in that passage about the master and the servant. When the servant comes into the house, in verse 7 and 8 of Luke 17, most people don't even understand this passage. He says, that's when the, when the servant comes, he's been working all day, and it comes in, the master doesn't say, put your feet up, let me serve you. He says, no, you serve me. You're the servant I'm the master. I know you've been working all day, but your job is to serve me. And when I'm full, then you can eat. And what Jesus was saying is faith always trumps natural circumstances. My circumstances are to serve me, not my faith to serve that. And so many people are feeding their delays and their circumstances, validating the delays in their life. Well, you can't trust God. Well, it never works for me. You you know what? You're the master that's put on his apron and put the servant on the table and you're feeding the servant. And his job is to feed you. You're the master over the delays and circumstances. God's building resolve in your life. Is this making sense to anybody? Mm, It is good preaching. The river is a place to fully focus your attention. You've got to get the word of God in your heart and hang on to it with all your might. Holy Ghost, make it come alive to me. That's like a tree planted by the rivers who bears fruit in every season and his leaf doesn't wither and everything he does prospers. Why? Because he's built his foundation on the promises of God and held them. Remember Hagar, when she held the boy, the promise, provision came to her. If you don't hold the promise with all your might, you'll never see the breakthrough. God's making you one with the word. Fifth, the river was a place of consecration. We're almost done. It was a place where God's people consecrated themselves before they crossed over. Joshua told the people, prepare yourself for the crossing. Leave a space, 2,000 cubits, before the ark. Let it cross first and then we'll follow. It's a place where we come before God and we say, Lord, everything that you want, I give. I consecrate myself. I consecrate myself to following your voice to being still in my heart. On Jericho, on the other side of the Jordan, battles are won by hearing the voice of God. Every battle had a different strategy on the other side of the Jordan. So we must consecrate ourselves in the Jordan to saying, your voice is my desire. I will still my heart. I will stop playing all the games I play frantic activity and I will come before you at the Jordan and bathe in consecration. Lord, I delight to do your will. I still myself. Speak to me. I have ears to hear what you are saying. And we bathe in consecration. I don't want to do it my way anymore, Lord. It doesn't work. You know what I'm seeing? I read magazines about the rich and the famous and they brag that, you know, we work 17 hours a day and get three hours sleep. Ah, you're amazing. Yeah, and how's your family? And over this side, we get up at 3.30 in the morning and do a workout for four hours. We do all these things and that's why we're amazing. That's not life. And if we would wait upon the Lord and consecrate ourselves and hear his voice, one word from God 
will give you a strategy. The hours and hours and days and years of sacrifice could never do. On the other side of the Jordan, they got houses that they didn't build. Somebody else worked, and can I use the, the slang phrase, their guts out, gave up all their energy, lost their marriages over, and you walk in and say, thank you, Jesus, I'll have the keys. Ours is a, you know, I don't see in the garden sweat. In fact, the priests, when they, when they operated in the tabernacle, they had to wear linen garments. No sweat allowed. There's no sweat. I'm not saying we don't work. I'm saying it doesn't come out of striving and, and bragging. I'm rich today because I've worked harder than anyone else. That's not God. That's not God. That's boasting foolish. You're in the wrong kingdom. Ours is one of hearing his voice and obeying. Jesus was able to sleep in the boat while everyone else was bailing it out. Number six. So we dip in the river of consecration. I delight to do your will. I want to hear your voice. Ready? Number six. On the other side of the river were giants and impossibilities. The river was associated with giants and impossibilities. Here's a giant. Mammon. Mammon. It's got many believers. Mammon. Mammon says, if you have money, you'll have identity, security, significance, happiness, and joy. Without money, there's no joy. Without money, there's no happiness. Without money, you'll never be significant. No one will take any interest in you. Without money, you'll have no identity. Everything you have is wrapped up in your money and your possessions. Take that away and you have nothing. That's mammon. And on the other side of the Jordan, the Jordan is associated with pulling down giants that no one else could kill in the natural. And I believe if you're going to move into prosperity God's way, God will empower you to be washed in the Jordan where you are totally free from the spirit, from the giant of mammon. I do not get my identity out of my Mercedes Benz in, in the garage. And I want a Mercedes Benz. Wonderful. I'll have five actually. But it doesn't make me any better or any worse. I don't feel better because of anything I own, Jesus is my source of identity, significance, security, happiness, and joy. And when I've got that right, and the spirit of man has no hold of me, I can step into all this wealth and it doesn't grab a hold of me. At the Jordan River, we slay the giants and we slay impossibilities. Here's an impossibility, hundredfold return. I speak about that to other leaders and I think I've got rocks in my head. You can believe for a hundredfold return. You mean that God could take a hundred dollars in your bank account and give you strategies so you can multiply that a hundred times? Listen here, bank interest doesn't cut it. I'm not telling you what to do with your money, but that's, it won't cut it. In the kingdom, God's promised us a hundredfold return. And in the Jordan River, we are faced with impossibilities and we embrace them. This is a season. See, the Bible says in Mark 10 that if you leave houses, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunties, whatever it is, you know, you've read the scripture, for my sake or the gospel, I'll give back to you houses, mothers, brothers, sisters, aunties, uncles, 
a hundredfold in this life, in this life, and the life to come. And alongside of that, you'll get some persecution as well from the Christians. <laughs> but in the Jordan River, God opens our mind to impossibilities in the natural. Deuteronomy 1 says there's, an, there's a thousandfold return. Many of you know this story, but I just want to quickly share it because it came to my attention this week. I woke up on the 19th of September, 2012, straight out of bed, and I heard a word from the Lord as clear as I would hear someone speak, and he said two words to me, Reg Garvin, 19th of September, 2012. Reg Garvin was in my church when I was at Oakley AOG. He was a mighty man of God. He was a footballer. He was a captain coach of the Saints, the AFL Saints. And I looked up his name because I knew God wanted me to go and find out something about him. Reg Garvin was born on the 19th of September, 1912. If you can do your sums, add 100 years. And to that day... Of his birth, it was a hundred days from his birth when God spoke to me and said, Reg Garvin. Why would God do that? Why would God wake me up and tell me to look up Reg and find his birth date? A hundred years to the day. And I've never thought about it like God's never spoken to me about Reg before or since. Because he's trying to remind us that there's a hundredfold return. I can tell you many stories about the hundredfold return over and over again. He wants the church to know there's a supernatural flow. And at the Jordan, we are faced with giants and we are faced with impossibilities. And we dip. See, when I talk to some people about the hundredfold return, they've never dipped in that river. And so it's like speaking another language. They resist it. I don't want that in my life. And you know what? There's no anointing for them because they don't believe. But you know what? Many of you today believe in that. So there's an anointing. God's flowing. Now, it might start off with 30. He's good. He's acceptable. And he's perfect will. 30, 60, 100. We're growing that. And we begin, okay, God, this is what I have. Give me strategy to multiply it. I'm going to exercise faith to believe first for 30. First the blade, then the head, then the full grain of the head. Lord, increase my faith to believe. And lastly, are you okay? Yeah. The river led to a new economy. I've got to be careful what I say on this one, but Israel lived on both sides of the river. In fact, when they went into the promised land, two and a half tribes said, we don't want to live in the promised land. We'll come and help you do a little couple of skirmishes and cut off a few heads, but we want to go back to living in the miracle mindset, in the survival mentality. And maybe some today, I hope no one here today, but maybe some people in the kingdom want to live on the wrong side of the Jordan. Yeah. But God's inviting us to a new economy, yeah. a new way of living. Here's a thought. And please take this the right way. This goes against all the budgeting advice. Now, now if you're in debt, severe debt, you need to hear what I say and appropriate it properly for you. But there's something behind what I say. People spend more time 
focusing on making their dollar go further than increasing the dollars they have. And I say most Christians are like that. One focuses on minimizing waste and budgeting where every dollar goes. The other focuses on maximizing their income. Wherever your heart focuses, that's what you empower. Now, yes, there is a place to deal with excess in your life, but so many believers are focused on minimizing their waste rather than going collecting more vessels. It's like the widow. It's like, how do I, how do I get this little bit of oil and get 45 meals? Maybe we could add a bit of minced meat and chicken, you know, what do you call it, like scraps and, you know, a bit of leftover here and banana skins and if we could put a bit of sawdust in it and we, we could make this go a long way. See, that's the old economy of survival. And there's a place for minimizing waste. But most people, that's their focus in life. They want to live in this place of survival. How do I make what little I have go a long way? It's the budgeting mindset. And again, there's a place for it. Don't go, Pastor, we should never budget. I didn't say that. I'm saying that, sh that should not be your life forever. There's got to come a place where you begin to say, God, how can you expand? See, there are rich people and their primary focus is on how to minimize waste. They never enjoy anything. They live like paupers. And they're not a blessing to anyone. There's a new economy. And God's saying, I want to take what you have and multiply it. I want you to live on the right side of Jordan, which is expansion. Remember, God has a pie-making factory. God's not trying to get you to minimize the size of your pie. Well, you know, this is my wage. This is all I'll ever have. So let's work out how to make it. Let, let's get every little bit out. See, if you live like that, you'll never give. You know, you go out to lunch with someone. It's not in my budget. I can't buy your latte because that's, that, that's petrol allowance. And I, I, There's a place for budgeting. But it's not a lifestyle. Israel lived in the wilderness for a period of time, but God's ultimate plan was to live in the land of promise, of overflow, of blessing. It's a mindset shift. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand it. There's a time to be in the wilderness and get things in order, but you're not supposed to live in the wilderness budget mentality. You're supposed to be looking for places of overflow in your life. You're anointed to prosper. And so you can ask for a wave or a wash. You can say, Andrew, come and pray for me that I'll be rich. I don't like praying that. I want to know what's in your head first. Because oil needs jars. If you're saying, Andrew, multiply my oil, I'm going to say, well, where are the jars? What are you doing? What are you reading? Who are you hanging out with? What, are you, what sort of prayers are you asking God to answer? I want to know that. Multiply the jars and the oil will take care of itself. God's desire already is to prosper. Listen to me. Here's the one. You are the problem, not God. In every realm, the oil is already there. Holy Spirit hasn't come to you in the poverty pack version. You didn't get the GL version of Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? 
You got the one with all the increases, all the additions, the, the airbags, and you got, you got the lot. He's not the problem. You and I are the issue. It's our mindset. It's, it's our willingness to wash over and over again in the Jordan until we begin to operate like God himself. You are already anointed to prosper. Amen. Now it's time to wash in the Jordan Amen. River. Seven times he washed, not six. Imagine if he stopped at six. Oh, time for lunch. No, he washed and obeyed the Lord and the principles of the kingdom. And the seventh time he came up and his skin was like the skin of a baby's bottom. What an amazing miracle. These stories were written not just as historical accounts, but they are spiritual words written to spiritual people who have eyes to see and ears to hear. It's not just a story about a man dipping in a river and getting healed of leprosy. It's a story about God's people immersing themselves in kingdom understandings until areas of their life come alive. Now, this is prosperity. It's the same for healing. It's the same for deliverance. You've got to wash. You've got to dip. You've got to bathe. And as you keep doing that, there's a day comes that you come up and your skin is as white as snow. No more leprosy in those areas. I want faith for the anointing to flow in every area of my life. Don't you? So why don't you lift up your hands with me and I'll pray for you. I'll wave over you. Lord, I thank you today that you are our saviour. You are our healer. And you are the one that gives us abundant prosperity. And I'm asking, Lord, for your people, that they would embrace your message for them today, that they would wash over and over and over and over again, maybe as they listen to this message again. And Lord, I pray that, that, that there would come such revelation to wash and immerse themselves in your kingdom principles. Lord, I, I thank you that your anointing is upon everyone to grow and to prosper. Now I'm asking, Lord, let the jars in their lives multiply over and over and over again. Where there's been debt, we break off that spirit of debt. Where there's been lies about our increase, I break that off. I speak abundant flow that would flow through you and that you begin to see yourself as a resource to others, not a... Not a, not a, a a victim that wants a handout. Lord, turn it around. Cause people not just to live for the thrill of today, but give them a big picture about what you want to do in their lives, that you want to make them a storehouse for the nations. Every single person here, you have anointed to prosper. So I declare over this church and everyone that can hear my voice that the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I release fresh anointing upon you to prosper. May you dip in the wonders and the mysteries of the kingdom over and over and over again until your skin is white as snow. I bless you today in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you all the honour and we give you all the glory for your goodness, for your kindness. Holy Spirit, thank you 
that you are the one that empowers the Word, that brings it alive. So I'm asking, Holy Spirit, continue your work this week, I pray, in Jesus' name.